fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? It is a Friday. You've made it. Man, you made it. It's here. The three-day weekend, hopefully, if you're not in retail. If you are, then I feel terribly bad for you. But if not, then you finally made it. It's the end of the week. It is a Memorial Weekend as well. The unofficial kickoff to summertime. So welcome into it. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single Day, A fun show lined up. We have a few things we'll touch on. We do have an update on the debt ceiling debacle going on in Washington, D.C. We have Jason Cole. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Kind of a lighthearted, fun conversation. His latest book, Shut Up, Your Kid Is Not That Great. Oh, my. Can we do that? Can we say that? Are we allowed to say that? Hold on. I need to adjust things here. So, I hate it, man. I do Windows computer updates thinking like, oh, I'm staying proactive so that we doesn't get bogged down. And then every time my sound card gets messed up. So now every button that I have for my sound effects, they're on a different channel. And I don't know why. So <laughs> we'll see how many of my sound clips we actually get to play today. Uh, we'll talk with Jason about the hour. We have our Memorial Day uh, celebration that we do. And as you know, uh, if you've listened to this show for any period of time, this is the most patriotic program that's on the radio. And we try to hold that uh, banner very high because we love America, baby. And... Uh, we have to remember, while this is the unofficial kickoff to the summertime, and you may be headed out to the lake right now, traveling across the country, the busiest travel weekend of the year, or at least of the summer, 42, 43 million people moving around, 3 million, 4 million people that are on flights today with the backups galore, even during the high gas price season. Thank you, Joe Biden, for that. Uh, going into the early summer already with those high gas prices, not stopping you from enjoying your freedom and American uh, freedoms and enjoy. Uh, but... We have to remember what the reason's actually for in the holiday with Memorial Day, with the fallen soldiers that allow us to do that, to allow us to eat the hamburgers and the hot dogs, allow us to enjoy those adult beverages that probably aren't Bud Light this weekend for most that are out there uh, cracking one open with the friends and the family. Uh, you may have heard this audio clip. It's about three minutes, but I love to play this every every year on Memorial Day. It is a tribute from Ronald Reagan, a speech that he gave, obviously, all the way back when. And it's probably something that you've heard many times before. I did not produce nor make this one, but I love it. And it's kind of a tradition that we play on this program every year for Memorial Day is our great tribute from the great Ronald Reagan. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land... We unleash the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. 
they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. It's a beautiful speech. Uh, and again, you may have heard that one many times. It's on YouTube. It's very easy to find. But I've listened to that every year for Memorial Day. And it's so true. Do we have that patriotism still today? I know it's difficult because we have, I don't mean to bring politics into this, but unfortunately, polit- politics is infiltrated everything, even with our basic patriotism and love of country, because we literally have a side right now, or at least a section of a side that says that if you love your country and if you are patriotic, then somehow you're a Nazi because you support nationalism by supporting the country and raising the flag. Nowadays, just waving the American flag is a is some type of political sign that you're on the Republican side and you're probably some type of MAGA radical conservative in some way, shape, or form. And that's the world that we live in today. How many times do you hear your children or grandchildren coming home from school in middle school? It was eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade when I remember getting this lesson on what the actual colors on the flag mean, what the stripes mean on the American flag, how to properly fold the flag, how to hang it up to where it's proper, make sure that it's lighted at night if you actually have it outside, to make sure that it's, uh, if you're if it's not, then you take it down every single night or when there's bad weather. How many people actually still remember that stuff? How, are, how many people remember the good old patriotic weekends like this because of 
the individuals that allow us to have it to go out and celebrate this unofficial launch to summertime. And we just got to enjoy. And what do we have to enjoy? We have everything to enjoy in the country with the landscape that America brings. This beautiful, I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump, this beautiful landscape. It's great. It's wonderful. It's the best you've ever seen in your life. This landscape of the rolling hills or the mountains or the prairie lands or the ocean any type of landscape known to this earth, there is a collage, a montage of it, that melting pot here in the United States with every bit of culture, with every different type of uh, tradition or practice or even religion or philosophy or heritage. You could go out and you could have a taco and you could uh, do whatever the hell you want to do from every different type of culture and enjoy the American pastime. And all of it Brought to you by the great access of free market capitalism where everything is accessible to you, which is why you can go out and get a case of whatever adult beverage that you want or a massive case of hot dogs. I said this before the program for the live streamers as we were getting ready, but you know, you want to know how many hot dogs are consumed now from Memorial Day to Labor Day, the entire summer, from the kickoff to summer to kickoff to fall, the number of hot dogs that are consumed in the United States every second, not every minute, not every hour, not every day. Every second in the United States, 818 every every second as a national average in the United States. That's insane. Brought to you by free market laissez-faire capitalism, baby, because no other nation on the face of the earth can produce something at that fast amount of rate. Unfortunately, we now have corporations that have forgotten that mindset, forgotten the patriotism, and forgotten what it's like to have a patriotic campaign or promotion or ad to run to bring out that red, white, and blue in you. Because now Target forgot all about that. They, they're they just getting ready for their Pride Month with June with LGBTQ with their children, or they're losing billions of dollars because of it. You have Bush that continues to be tanked because of their push for the wokeness, not trying to do a Memorial Day hoorah patriotic celebration, which if they did, their sales would go through the roof. But instead, they're all about the wokeness that continues to hit them. The one thing that they haven't done is say they made a mistake with this campaign and been clear about who they're going to serve moving forward. Is it going to be their shareholders and their customers who want them just to create a Bud Light that's apolitical, or are they going to be serving their stakeholders? These are the people that want BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, who are asking them to serve political organizations, activists. And I think until they're clear and they make it clear that they want to serve their customers moving forward, unfortunately, I don't see this going away. So that was, uh, oh, there we go. That's stupid online ads. That was Anson Fred, uh, Frederick. He was a former Anheuser-Busch executive as uh, he talks about where they're at. And they haven't apologized. They haven't tried to change it. They haven't tried to reappeal to the demographic that predominantly bought Bud Light at the end of the day, going into a massive sales weekend for adult beverages, especially something like Bud Light. But I guarantee you that I, I bet you we could go to any lake across the nation this weekend where there's boaters and there's the fisher uh, fishermen and women and there's people just out there barbecuing. I guarantee you that there's not very many people that will be on the lake this weekend or in that backyard barbecue with the family and friends, that will have a large case of Bud Light. It probably not going to happen. And one of the biggest weekends for adult beverage sales and beer sales, they're going to be missing the boat big time. As of right now, total, since the beginning of this madness campaign, their shares are down 14% in total, and they've lost near $19 billion in their share value. Nineteen. That's insane. Target itself, 
with this wilderness. Again, you would think maybe have out the patriotic flags, maybe have some red, white, and blue uh, swimming trunks, maybe some type of like, you know, uh, cutoff t-shirts for, for the guys out there, some sunglasses that are the red, white, and blue American flags. No, no, no. Target's not doing that, trying to appeal to that crowd for Memorial Weekend. Again, the launch to summertime. Theirs is let's go ahead and do the woke thing. Well, guess what? They've lost $9 billion in market value. They've lost near 12% of their share value. On top of, by the way, the near billion dollars that they've lost from the theft that they're seeing across the nation, especially out in the state of California, where they've limited the amount that you actually get punished for if you do go in and try and steal any goods, which it is ironic, isn't it? The woke company like Target is the one that, for whatever reason, when you see a riot from like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, or some group like that burning streets down and beating people up in the streets and just taking whatever they want to because they're justified in taking it. It's how the media tells us anyways, that for whatever reason, you see the news headlines and see the the recaps, the B-roll of the riots going on in the stores or they're looting and taking like the lamps and everything. Have you noticed every single time that they do that, it's always in a target? I don't know why. I wonder why that could be. And yet they're losing it and they're getting close to having to reconsider what they're doing as a business, laying people off left and right, losing their value, their stockholders and their shareholders, a little angry probably because they're not making a whole lot of a profit, but they continue to push this agenda. At what point do you start to wake up and realize that is not going to be a successful campaign? A successful campaign is rallying around the 80% of Americans, 90% of Americans, because I'm an eternal optimist, that realizes that we still live in the greatest nation on the faces of this earth, regardless of your political stance, regardless of the issues the government's doing, that we still live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth because of individuals that fought and died for it that we celebrate for Memorial Day, and maybe we should piggyback around a campaign around Memorial Day and getting people excited about summer in America. I bet your shares would go up. What a concept. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. John Wright, it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Former President Donald Trump getting you set for Memorial Day weekend as well after releasing a message on social media earlier today. With family and friends this weekend, everything is more expensive, a lot more expensive, actually, because of Joe Biden's reckless policies that have caused soaring energy costs and currency inflation like our country hasn't seen for over 50 years. This Memorial Day gas prices are up 48% since Joe took office. That's right, 48%. Food prices are up 18%. Airline prices are up 41%. Taxes are higher than ever. Interest rates for mortgages and car loans have put the American dream out of reach for countless millions of families. Meanwhile, in the Joe Biden economy, real wages are down 25 months in a row. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. In fact, it's the longest streak on record. The typical American family this Memorial Day weekend has lost an average of nearly $7,000 a year in purchasing power because of Joe Biden's failed presidency. (laughs) I love, uh, I've really missed it, got to be honest. How many people have missed Donald Trump actually uh, speaking? I, I love it. Sometimes we have to do the filter of what Donald Trump really meant to say, but it's it's oddly 
familiar. And people are like, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's Donald Trump being Donald Trump. But going after the Biden administration right now, as we get closer to the debt ceiling, we're still trying to figure out what to do. But in fact, now there may be a hiccup as we get closer to potential common ground or at least negotiations between Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden. And the Democrats right now, according to MSN, they're taking a shot at the conservatives who said that they may derail the agreements that are going on in the conversation with days left before the government could face a calamitous default. Negotiators are closing in on an agreement that would raise the debt ceiling by two years, a key priority of the Biden administration, while also essentially freezing government spending on domestic programs and slightly increasing funding for the military and veterans affairs. Three people familiar with the matter said. But yeah, conservative lawmakers have begun mounting a campaign against the emerging deal on the debt ceiling between President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy as objections from the right threaten to undermine that agreement even before its contents are publicly released. But whoa, I know. All right. Interesting. So as we celebrate, obviously, Memorial Weekend with the higher prices, as Donald Trump just said, with the inflation going on in this nation that's been a disaster under the Biden administration, really since he got in office, it wasn't that bad during the pandemic when Trump was in, then all of a sudden, boom, it shot right up under Biden. So thank you very much for that. We thank you and appreciate you very much. We're still trying to enjoy it, but this could be looming. And while we celebrate the beauty of a free market, laissez-faire capitalist society, in this nation, that at least what's supposed to be a laissez-faire free market capitalist society. It's not, but we try to pretend that it still is, like it was way back when in the good old days. While we try to celebrate that, we could see the recession looming. We could see the quote-unquote default happening. And with the negotiations that we've said very early on, I think started a little bit too far on the give-and-take realm from Republicans, but at least they did something. Uh, It means we're only going to move the dial further away from what we actually need to do. But at the end of the day, remember, we're still going to see a bankrupt nation at some point here relatively soon. The haggling that's going on right now is only for the discretionary spending, which is only roughly about 30 percent, 30, 40 percent of the government budget overall. The mandatory spending programs, the Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, WIC, all the other social programs that consume at least 60 to 70 percent of the entire federal budget are not being touched. We're haggling over the discretionary spending by limiting that cap of raising and trying to cut a little bit of that stuff. So we're only haggling over maybe 5 percent of the federal budget that may potentially be capped or cut in some way, shape or form. Not going to really save us, but at least it's an argument where we can begin the conversation so with that looming over our heads it may be more expensive to travel somewhere or buy that non-bud light adult beverage this weekend but enjoy it while you can because who knows what the price may be by the end of the year under this biden administration jason cole coming up right around the corner stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Most people in their holiday mode already. Vacay mode, enjoying those adult beverages that probably aren't Bud Light. <laughs> Eating the burgers, or the hot dogs, whatever you do on the lake, having that backyard barbecue, or maybe just kicking back and taking a breath for a minute. Much needed as well. 
We'll see how it goes. Welcome back into the program. Multiple radio stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. We'll get back to the debt ceiling discussions here in just a little bit. Interesting conversation. We'll see if we can come up with a deal. I don't know. If Kevin McCarthy compromises too much, conservatives won't be happy and the deal's busted. If we don't go far enough, Democrats will get all angry and then they'll try and blame us, which is typically the case. We're kind of used to that one, so we'll see how that goes. We'll get into it in just a little bit. Uh, but let's shift gears a little bit, shall we? Let's have some fun on a, oh, come on, man. Let's, uh, on a Friday. Let's, there we go. Let's try that. What's trending today? And let's talk about children for just a second. Obviously, a hot topical issue nationwide on numerous different fronts. But I, look, I am I say this so many times. I'm a millennial, and I've lived through that generation of, like, we get kind of um, that that mindset that millennials are, uh, soft or that were the helicopter parented ones with the participation trophies. And there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, it's not our entire generation. But what are we doing for our children and arts? They set up for the success in the future. Do they know how to create success in the future? Or is everything being handed to them by the helicopter parents not wanting them to have to work hard or experience life? It's definitely an interesting conversation. We're going to do that with our next guest. He's author of the book, Shut Up, Your Kid Is Not That Great. I love that title. That's outstanding. Jason Cole on the line with us here. Jason, how are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am great. It's great to have you on the program. I can only imagine the heat that you're getting from the cancel culture just on the title of your book alone. Um, No, actually, I mean, look. There are some people who are like, you know, like they think about it and they go, yeah, but they get the joke. <laughs> everybody gets the joke because everybody has even it doesn't matter if you're woke or if you're conservative or whatever political background. Yeah. You've been around that parent or you've been that parent. They need to shut the hell up. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you're too you're too much. You're too, you know, you're too much about your kid. And oftentimes you're making it too easy for your kid um, to be great um, or to fall in love with whatever they're doing or figure it out, you know, which is really the message of this book is, uh, you know, stay out of the way of your kids. Mm. Um, Don't live through your kids. Don't make their lives your life. And that's what I was really trying to say in this, because I was I was talking to my agent one day, my book agent, and it's funny because my kids are in my twenties, so I'm past this now. Um, but his kids are like in fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Yeah. So he's coaching their basketball team, and he was just going through all the stupid fights that he's in, encountered with parents about arguing about whether the other team got an advantage because they had an extra hour before the playoff game. Mm. Wow. Sitting there going, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, this is not the NBA playoffs. Exactly. Like, stop. Yeah. Let's know? let's just enjoy yeah. this a little bit. I'm in the middle of it. My daughter's nine. She just ended third grade, and we we, uh, it's, you know, living in a small town, we don't see it quite nearly as much. Although I guess sometimes you have the the superstar kid that's supposed to be the star of the entire team or the entire school or the entire town, even uh, in some way, shape, or form. But even smaller than that, I mean, as, are we even talking about the the parents that are like, my kid started walking at like six months, like they're they're supposed to be a genius, they're supposed to be like the next Einstein because they said their first word at you know six months old. I mean, it starts all the way back then, doesn't it? There's a little bit of that, um, and look. 
trust me, you know, I've had my moments when I've been guilty of it. Sure. You know, I'm not, you know, there, there's, there's some times like that, you know, where, you know, a kid, a kid does something and you're like, all of a sudden, oh, he's a genius or she's a genius or she's going to be the next great gymnast or ballet dancer or he's going to, you know, he's going to be a major league baseball player. What, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever idea you fall in love with yeah. or get turned on by, like, that's what's going to happen for your kids. It's yeah. like, you have no idea what's going to happen here, but I always say, help your kid find whatever they're passionate about. And if you help your kid find what they're passionate about, you got a chance that they actually really might be special and they really might end up being this, this great performer that you're hoping that they will be. But there's a difference between helping them find their passion and helping them or, and trying to manage it. Yeah, or or doing it for them. I mean, if they are good at something, like you said, you want to challenge them and say, hey, if this is what you want to do, then you need to put in the effort. You need to work hard. You need to experience losses. You need to experience defeat so that way you can come back and understand that and be able to rise. Uh, The helicopter parenting mindset of I'm going to put this bubble around you. I don't want you to experience anything negative in the world in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Is that healthy, and are we starting to see maybe – some of the older generations that have grown up that way and now becoming adults, uh, how are they doing in life, do you think? Look, I, I think there's, I don't know this is any different than when I grew up, you know, and I'm, I'm 60 years old now, right? And I saw plenty, you know, looking back at it, I saw plenty of helicopter parents even way back then. Mm. But I look at plenty of, gener- plenty of kids, and I've seen it mostly in sports because I've covered sports for 40 years. Um, professional sports for 40 years and written about the NFL for 30 plus years. And I've seen just a ton of moments where you're exactly right. Like a kid wasn't, you know, prepared for this particular situation. And and one of the first examples I talk about in this book is Dan is Drew Henson, who, you know, probably a lot of people don't remember, but he was supposed to be the next, John Elway, a chief sports star. He was drafted in both baseball and basketball. Played quarterback at the University of Michigan. In fact, he was supposed to be the next great thing. He was supposed to be the next great thing. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Okay. When Tom Brady was a junior at Michigan. Well, Tom Brady's the one who turned out. Why? Because he had to face all sorts of challenges. And challenges for his job. And the indignity of not being a starter. And Dan, you know, and Drew Henson, his dad, tried everything in the world to make sure that the, that the road was paved for his kid, including backing out of a scholarship offer um, from Florida State, because Florida State at the time recruited a guy named Chris Wenke. And he's, and, you know, Dan Henson thought, oh, this guy's going to take playing time from my kid when he's a freshman. Yeah. How about let your kid go be a freshman and win the job? Tell your kid, you know, we're going to put you in the best situation at the best school you can be where you're going to learn to be the best quarterback you can be. You're going to have good coaches. But you've got to go win the job. And you got to battle on your own. And, yeah. you know, don't, don't hover that way. And, again, like you're talking about, don't pave the streets in gold trying to think that you're going to make it easy for your kid. Yeah, that is very true. That goes into uh, also the idea of – and. 
uh, maybe this kind of feeds off of it, of kind of being the big fish in the small pond or having the opportunity to wear many different hats and experience many different things in maybe a smaller market as opposed to getting into a bigger market and kind of only having one single direction uh, that you're allowed to go to, whether in work, you know, if uh, you're a union worker, you can only do one thing and you can't expand and actually, you know, expand your resume in some way, shape or form or in sports where you're the star player on a two way team where you get to play quarterback and corner and you get to be kind of the manager and everything else, as opposed to being in a big team where you do one position and that's it. You're kind of more valuable in that sense, aren't you? And almost that small town or that smaller market is more beneficial in the long run, gaining that experience and trying out different things. Look, I think there's an argument for both. I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in go go try as many things as you can when you're a kid. Like I, I do hear about specialization when kids are 11, 12, 13 years old. Wow. And yeah, and people start to say, oh, you know, this this kid's gonna be the next great baseball player because see how he hits at 11. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. And the <laughs> other side is. You don't know if he's going to get bored with playing baseball when he's 15 or 16. He may not like it anymore. So do yourself a favor with that kid and let him play as many sports. And partially because you don't want him to get burned out on, on these other things. So I, you know, I see, I see so many parents trying to manipulate and manage their kids' careers at really early ages because they hear from coaches, oh, if you don't specialize now, you're going to be behind. That's BS. Yeah. I just, I, I just, I just don't buy that. I coached kids, and at that age, they can catch up. Sure, you know, you need to do a certain rep- number of repetitions if you want to be a competent, you know, tennis player. But if you don't like tennis when you're 13, it doesn't matter how many reps you did. Right. Okay. So, so go do something else. A, a lot of time that makes you happy, and you know that at least changes the pace up. And then you'll come back to and end up, you know, figuring out which is the one that you really truly love. And I just come back to I did a, I did a biography of John Elway, and I always admired his father so much because Jack never coached his kids. Yeah. Jack Elway he didn't coach him, and you know, you know, didn't coach either one of his girls, didn't coach his son, not in pee wee football, not in high school football, not in junior high baseball. Nothing, not in Little League, any of those things. The only time you ever coached John, John Elway was in an all-star game after John was done in college. So he coached him for a week. Wow. And so he wanted to maintain the relationship of being a parent instead of the relationship of being a coach and, 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 and you know, having orders kid around. And he was, that was really important to him. Yeah. Okay? So that he could advise his kids. That's but one of the great quotes from Jack Elway. I tell you, I tell you what, Jason, hold, John El- hold on. Hold that yeah. thought. we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure. Fantastic. I want to continue the story when we come back here and wrap it up for a Friday. It's Jason Cole. Shut up. Your kid is not that great. You can find it on Amazon, other places as well. We'll continue this when we come back for a Friday on The Voice of Reason. The Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes here on a Friday kicking off Memorial Weekend, baby. I know you're excited about it. Maybe already traveling out to the lake or camping site or backyard or your couch. I don't really know. 
wherever you are, welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're hanging out with Jason Cole for a few more minutes. Author of the book, Shut Up Your Kid is Not That Great. You can find it on Amazon, other places as well. You can also find his Tweety on the Twitter at JasonCole62. And you can follow him there as well as we talk about how to uh, give your kids the best opportunity. Let them experience life. Let them experience the ups and downs and let them do this. I mean, I know this kind of goes into it, but, you know, looking back at the Wonder Years, for example, in the 50s and 60s and the kids running off just doing their thing. The TV uh, news anchors at 10 o'clock in the 80s saying it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are at? I wasn't around at that time. I was born in 88. Yeah, I know. I know. But now I live in the world where everybody's got the tracker app for their children. And by six, they're walking around with an iPad in their face. My daughter will not do that. What I have done, however, is allowed her to try and uh, experience whatever sport that she wants. And having been a baseball player myself growing up all through elementary, middles and high school and uh, first uh, early into college, I wanted her to try baseball. She did it for the first season. And she's like, I don't want to do that again. And I loved it because I got to coach her team. And and then she didn't want to, so, uh, okay. But she loves her volleyball, she likes basketball, and she wants to be a dancer. I don't know any of those things, but if that's what she wants to do, my golly, she can be the best damn volleyball player out there as well. And, uh, Jason, these are th- that's hard for parents, isn't it? Because we want them to do stuff that we enjoy because we want them to have the kind of the same growing up as us. Didn't uh, Isn't that true? Yeah, generally. I would have really liked it if my kids, you know, played football. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've written about it for 30 years. Um, but they were both bored by football. <laughs> so <laughs> they ended up being rowers. And, you know, my oldest is is, is more of an academic. Um, you yeah, know, but they both went to college and they've done well and they're doing well for themselves. And most importantly, they're off the payroll and doing things they like. I mean, yeah. their sport of choice was rowing, and I always wondered, like, why they choose rowing because I don't know anything about it. And <laughs> I thought about it. Like, they probably chose rowing because I don't know anything about it. Well, well, sometimes there is that as well. There, I'm waiting for my daughter to become an MMA fighter. I, I mean, just why not? Let's get her in there and uh, get some sure. stuff done. Yeah, uh, we yeah. got just about a minute and a half left or so here. But if you could give any parents um, a word of wisdom other than just letting your kids just experience life like that, uh, what would you give them, especially with the difference in the times when we had the 80s where it was like, you know, the kids go off and play. I don't know where you're at. And the, the 10 o'clock news reminding the parents, hey, do you know where your kids are at? to today's times where we know everything about them with a tracker on their app, on on their phone. I mean, the times are obviously a lot different uh, from back then to today. With those changes, how do we adapt as parents for kids that are up and coming? I think I'll finish the story about Jack Elway I was talking about, which I think relates to what you're asking. And one of the things that when John Elway was coming out in the draft and trying to choose between whether he's going to play professional football or professional baseball, Jack Elway famously said in Sports Illustrated um, that I just hope to preserve in my son the joy of playing ball, whatever that is, because that's where he's going to find his true passion. It's not going to come in dollars. So for those parents out there who are like chasing dollars or fame in their head, like my kid's going to get a college scholarship or he's going to be a professional athlete or he's going to be a professional singer or she's going to be a professional MMA fighter or whatever it happens to be. It's not about the money. It's about, do they enjoy it? Yeah. Do they really love to do it? And you have to understand, is it something that they're going to do that they're going to want to work through all the time, even when it gets really hard? 
and even when it takes a long time, and even if they get a knee injury and they got to do six to nine months of rehab just so that they get a chance to play again. And if they have that kind of desire to do something, then you found something special and a special quality in them that they can take throughout their life and apply it to whatever they have to do the rest of their lives to, to you know, raise, them, raise themselves and keep themselves healthy. I love that. That's great motivation there. In about 20 seconds, I know you talked about all these different athletes and all their motivational stories. Um, uh, just because I'm partial to this guy in MMA, do you think, like him or hate him, Conor McGregor, one of the most inspirational guys out there in athletics? Uh, I'll say this. Entertaining is all get out. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, that, and I, I don't say that. I don't say that lightheartedly. Yeah. Gets what this is about. Yeah. It's getting people fired up. He's, he's great at it. He's a smart guy. I love it. Jason Cole, shut up. Your kid is not that great. Go check out the book. Jason, happy Memorial Day, brother. Have a great weekend. Let's chat again soon. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. There it is. That does it for us. We're back at it on Tuesday after Memorial Weekend. Everybody have a great weekend. Go out and enjoy the warm weather, the unofficial kickoff to summer. Go and enjoy an adult beverage. It's not Bud Light. And we'll see you on Tuesday. This is the Voice of Reason. We'll see you on the radio.